What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. This is a heavy Cthulhu-themed episode, as it happens. Is it? Well, we're talking. We're, we're going to review Eldritch Horror uh-huh. later. We're going to talk about Arkham Horror. I'm not going to lie. I didn't look at the document before bit. we started recording. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> who, needs, who needs preparation? Who well, needs preparation? Well, usually I do. You know how I am. I usually come in here with my notebook full of notes. So. Yeah. Yeah, but... I don't gonna, think you're going to need it for Eldritch Horror. I think that's a game that both of us know. Mom's going to wing it today. Well, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> be all right. Be all right. So, uh, ab- so we'll get right into that after a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, as usual, please follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You search at Tabletop for Two. You'll find us. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play Music or any other podcatcher that you use. Uh, we are on BGG. We have a guild, uh, number 2623. Cruise on in. Um, all You'll get new episode postings, uh, some two-player gaming discussion in there as well. And we have one Periscope video up for a playthrough of 13 days. Um, it's something that we're probably going to continue doing with different games. I know that uh, we've talked about but possibly But I thought you said we might try and go... With like a different yeah, have to look into it. It's it's you it's said all the about, video quality was not so good. Yeah, it wasn't the best. Um, well, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely use Periscope for Let's like just use unboxing Live and stuff. For Pete's sake, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll try um, that. But follow us on that tabletop for two. Um, you can check out that thirteen days playthrough, and uh, and we'll see what we're doing with the rest of it in the future. All right, so getting to what we've been playing this week. Um, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know that we have a storied history. Uh, with living card games, and we have not, we've not found a tremendous amount of success with them. Um, you know, we've 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 tried Android Netrunner, which I love, beloved game for me. I hate and didn't like. Um, we played Doomtown Reloaded, which is a game that we both liked, but just never found time to play. Couldn't really get down with the deck building aspect because it just took too much time. We've played Star Wars. We've played. Well, Star Wars sucked. Star Wars did suck for us. Um, what else have we played? We've played. Lord of the Rings. We played Lord of the Rings. That didn't work out for us. Warhammer. Uh, Warhammer Quest is dead. So, so we can't play, we can't play that anymore. Um, <laughs> We played. We um, played a lot. Well, basically, I think we're up to our. Was it the ninth one? It was here? like the eighth or ninth one. Eighth or ninth one, and it finally worked out. Yeah, we we finally checked out the Arkham Horror, uh, the card game, the new living card game from FFG uh, that M warned me against buying, saying that you know how it's been going with with LCGs with us, and I and I did it anyway because I figured that if anything, well, no, he did it anyway because he just doesn't listen to me ever, and he just does what he wants. That too, but I figured. But I figured. I figured. See, if, the cat agrees. Yeah, I figured if anything would connect with M, it would be Lovecraft themed, which is something we like in a lot of other games. Um, which is something I like just in general. Yeah, and 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 it's it's worked out so far. But so, then again, we've tried other things where I was really invested into the material itself mm-hmm. that just did not work. Yeah, but this has um, for those that well, aren't familiar with the game. Too. Yeah, for those for those that aren't familiar, um, this is a cooperative LCG, so it's similar in that aspect to Lord of the Rings. It's also it's it's actually probably more similar in how it plays um, to Warhammer Quest, even though Warhammer Quest isn't really an LCG. Um, not, not, it's, it's expandable, but it, it doesn't play like a regular card game does. Um, but you are, you take the role of, uh, investigators that are investigating, uh, this different mythos. And there's a couple different scenarios in the core box. Of course, since it's a fantasy flight LCG, there's going to be a ton of expansions for this. They've Woo-hoo. already announced like four of them. I think so really? far. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure <laughs> they, they, go, they can pump them out. No, like nobody's well, they're, business. They're, I mean, they're going to put out new, something new once a month. I, I would expect it to get the same release that. You know, release schedule that all their other 
you know, expandable games have gotten so far. Right. Um, but you have you you pick investigators, um, and you each have a custom deck of cards uh, that, of course, you construct before you go into the game. Um, and the investigators all have, much like in the other Arkham file series of games, have different strengths and weaknesses. Some are really good at fighting. Some are really good at, you know, doing the lore. Some are very agile. And you're trying to, I guess you're trying to build a balanced team as you go through this game. Um, and what's neat about this one, now, the thing that has always been the sticking point for us with these constructed deck games that it, it requires you to put in too much work outside of the game. And and you've never really been one to get into the deck building aspect of it. I haven't really had anything that's really made me want to. Right. But I mean I mean you you remember when I was playing Netrunner seriously, like I would spend Hours sitting there, you know, pouring over my decks and constructing Good them and thing tweaking I was and stuff like at the that. Time yeah. I was asleep. <laughs> so I mean, and and that part doesn't interest you at all, right? Like you just want to throw it together, get in there, and play the game. Yeah. Yeah. So the cool thing about this one is that the deck construction is really limited. So like each investigator has like a specialty, um, which is one type I of had card. The crazy homeless girl. Yeah, which is one type of card you can have in your deck. And then each investigator can also have neutral cards, which can be shared across your team. Mm-hmm. And you the, each investigator also has another specialty that they can draw cards from, but they're limited to like the power of cards that they're able to get from that other specialty. But it just makes it easier to put your decks together. Um the decks are also 30 cards, which in for games like this is pretty small actually. Um and and the gameplay is kind of nifty. So you, you each take turns um, taking actions as you go through. You're trying to there's there's three like mysteries you have to solve in each scenario in the game, um, and you're trying to do that before three you know like bad omens happen or before the doom cards get advanced. Because there's also these I think they're called act cards that each turn you add doom tokens to this, and once the card gets a, a preset number of doom tokens, then something. Bad will probably happen mm-hmm. to you, and as you're going through the game, as um, is want to happen in any of this universe's games, mm-hmm. and and it plays and it plays sort of similar to some of the other Arkham games in terms of feel because you're investigating, you're looking for clues to unravel some of the mysteries that are going on around you. Um, as you search, you're and go investigating through. other rooms, mm-hmm. and you're experiencing you know bad guys, and yeah, you'll monsters will pop up. You'll have these really freaky things happen to you as you go along. Um, the card themselves are really evocative as you would expect from a Lovecraft game. Okay, some of the card art gave me the willies, not gonna lie. Yeah. Like I mean, that's, I, that's that's a couple of them like I looked at it and I was like, oh god, I'm gonna yeah. have nightmares tonight. I mean that's Arkham though. That's Ar- <laughs> that, that's Arkham for you. Um and you're trying to go through this preset scenario um working together as much as you can throughout the game because there are ways that you can uh help boost each other, essentially. Um, you have different cards in your deck that do different things. You know, you'll have different equipment that you can equip to help you do various things. Um, also, the cards can be played instead of playing them for like like equipping the cards and stuff like that you can play them to boost your skill checks because as you know being an arkham game you're going to be doing skill checks as you go through now the way they handle the skill checks is actually kind of interesting um each investigator has a certain stat or a certain you know certain you know number assigned to each of their statistics and when you do a skill check you're usually given a target number that you have to hit and you compare it against your skills number, and if you meet or exceed it, you win. But there's this thing called the chaos bag, which is a token bag that you have to pull a token whenever you do a skill check, and that will modify the skill check in some way. So you have to kind of mitigate for that because you know which tokens are in the bag before 
the mission starts. So you can kind of you, you can you know try to guess out your odds, but of course, you know, chance might hurt you sometimes, as is one to do in these type of games. Um, but this is a very interesting little thing. Um, it's also set up for campaign play, which is neat because you can kind of tweak your deck from scenario to scenario and add and, you know, replace different cards Isn't and add more cards. Isn't that what you want to start soon? That is what I want to start soon. Okay. Like, like tonight. Tonight? <laughs> possible. That'd be a hell of a deal. What time is it? Um, and do not say it's time for lunch. Yeah, I will it's not slap you across this table. Um, but I've, I really enjoyed this um, in the limited time that we've spent with it so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a really fun game. I could see... Even getting you into the deck building portion of the game to this a little bit, just because. Well, I'm getting better about it. I think, especially recently, especially uh, I've more so enjoy it. I mean, it's terrible, but uh, Millennium Blades. Mm-hmm. I kind of like trying to get my stuff to synergize together, so that's gotten me a little more interested in you know stuff like that. Yep, and so. um. Well, and also, too, like, the fact that we're, so, like, all that's out right now of this game as of us recording this is the core set for the game, and when I started playing Netrunner, I think there had only been three, like, three of the booster packs had come out at that point, so it was easy for me to kind of get into it because there weren't an overwhelmingly large number of cards to have to sift through and figure out what's good and what isn't, that sort of thing. So I think kind of easing you into it will be helpful in this case because the decks that you can build with one core set are very limited because there's very few neutral cards. So we're going to have to buy another core set. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens when the... um. When the first like expansions come out, he Be- says that, and then he'll find a deal somewhere and be like, "Mom, I had to get it." Well, no, the the only reason that I that I, it's not like an auto buy is because we would literally be buying it just to get the player cards. Like it wouldn't be for the enemy cards because you don't really need to duplicate those at all. Um, it would just be to get another set of the of the investigator cards, which is only half the core set. So at that rate, it's not that good of a. You know, cost to well, maybe they'll come out with a set that's just that. I don't think so. I think they, I think they want you to spend forty dollars two times if possible. Not happening. Um. Oh, the other thing I also find really interesting and very thematic for this game. Um. Each investigator has a specific uh, weakness that's get that gets shuffled into their deck as well. And when you draw these weakness cards, you have to put them out immediately, and they do hamper you uh, in some way, shape, or form. Which ties in perfectly to the to the you know Arkham universe that Fantasy Flight's kind of crafted here. Um, this is a great game. Um, each scenario only takes like forty five minutes once you know what you're doing, and it's a lot of fun. And I'm really excited that we have found an LCG that I can throw money at <laughs> that and you that actually we might really actually like. Stick with for a change. Well, I mean, because you figure every pack that comes out is going to have new yeah, but scenarios. We, but we threw money at Doomtown, also, babe. I know, but this is, I think this one's a little bit different. I think the fact that this is cooperative, and I think the fact that the the deck construction is not nearly as daunting, I guess, will will kind of incentivize us to play this more. Only time will tell. We'll see. Um, but that's Arkham Horror LCG. Um, We've got our fingers crossed for it. Finally found one. I think that, that, <laughs> that hit the mark. Oh, Lord. Next on the list is uh, High Treason. It's a Victory Point Games one that Brad was so excited about, and he's telling me about it, and I'm like, oh, it's Law and Order, the board game. <laughs> yeah, well, essentially, kind of, sort of, yeah. Um, it's, it, it's, it's High Treason, the trial of Louis Riel. Um, Louis Riel was a Canadian revolutionary that I'd never heard of. Um, because uh, obviously in the U.S. they don't usually teach Canadian history, um, but yeah, in the 1800s he was uh, he was caught trying to 
start a mutiny or start something in Canada, and he was tried and he was hanged for his crimes. Um, this game kind of lets you dive into the courtroom. Um, and it's a two-player game. One person is playing the prosecution. One person is playing the defense. Um, the prosecution's trying to build up enough evidence and trying to sway the jurors enough to convict Louis Riel, whereas the defendant is trying to, of course, create, of course, create reasonable doubt or make a case of insanity for Louis Riel to get him acquitted. And this game, um, they say Victory Point says it's the first in a series of trial games they plan on coming out with. Um, but it does, you literally walk through the steps of a trial and it's a card driven game. It's really cool. I liked it. it a lot. It's a very interesting game. So, like I said, I've never played something quite like it. Yeah. So, I mean, you literally start with, um, jury selection where you have 12 potential jurors and you're trying to kind of go back and forth and find out well, different you, traits you get, from them. You get dealt a hand of cards beforehand mm. and you get to put out the cards and they give you um, wordage based on what things you can check on the different jurors. Yeah, each each juror has a religion, has a language that they speak and has an occupation. Yes. And you're trying and certain certain languages and certain occupations favor the prosecution or the defense. So you're trying to... Listen, I was the defense yeah. and I needed French Catholics? French Catholic farmers. Yes. That's what I needed. And essentially you're trying to make it... So you're trying to find out as much information about these jurors as you can so that you can dismiss jurors that aren't going to be sympathetic to your to your side Which, of the of case, basically. of course we ended up with like a 50-50 split of, well, that's kind French, of, the I- of French to English. <laughs> that's kind of the idea. <laughs> um, and then you go through two rounds of actually presenting arguments to each other where you alternate turns playing cards. And essentially what you're trying to do is you can, you can either try to... Well, the board has a bunch of different tracks, and mm-hmm. you're trying to swing the track in your favor. Yeah, so, so, there is, so there's tracks for each language, there's tracks for each occupation, and essentially the prosecution's trying to make each of these things worth more points. Um, because at the end of the game, um, you're going to score points as the prosecution for every juror that matches these specific traits, essentially. And with the jurors themselves, you have six left over after jury selection, you're trying to sway them to your argument over your opponent's argument because doing so also gets you some extra victory points, plus it'll let you do some bonus actions at the end of the game. And again, you're doing this through card play. Um, if you've ever played any card-driven game, um, you kind of know what you're getting at here. Think Twilight Struggle, think 13 Days, where you know you can play a card, and each card has a certain number of action points you can do, or it has an event on it, and you have to choose between doing the action or the event. Right. They also have attorney cards, so if your opponent plays an event, you can actually object to them to kind of cancel it out, mm-hmm. but then they can object to your objection if they have a card as well, which is which can be for kind of makes them for kind of fun. But stuff. they're also kind of good for the end of the game for some. Well, and that's and that each round you have to bank a couple of cards that you're saving for your summation. So you have to really weigh out. You know, do I want to use this card now, or will it help me more during the summation round? Because you get a chance to present your closing arguments. Um, once all that's done, the jury deliberates. That's where you total up how many points everyone's worth. Um, if the prosecution scores more than a hundred points, then they win the game. Uh, they score lower than 100, or if the defense um, can uh, make it so that the prosecution didn't present enough evidence, then the defense will win the game. Um, it takes about 45 minutes to play. Even our first playthrough, I think, only took about 45 minutes to run uh-huh. through. Um, yeah, this was a really interesting game. I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, and in true Brad and Emily fashion, we 
Oh, I, oh yeah, I, I was the prosecution, and he we came, came as close in, to tying as we could. He came in at exactly 100 points, yes, even. Yes, you cannot tie in this game, but I won with the lowest possible score yes. that you can, which, of course, is completely apropos to us playing a game for the first time. Exactly. <laughs> it's been Wait, a while since it happened, though. It's been a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I wasn't expecting, um, like, a really neat card-driven experience mm-hmm. um and that's exactly what this is it's a really fun game um, with a really interesting system i'm i'm now really looking forward to not only playing this one more um but also seeing what other trials they you know decide to make games from this based off of and how they tweak that system. Have they announced system. any that they were thinking about? No, this is the very first one. Um, I know that Alan Emmerich from Victory Point Games on the back of the rulebook has kind of put out a call to action for designers um, interested in making a game in the series to give it a shot. And he even suggested there's like 30 famous historical trials that he gave as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool thing about this is that you can really go through a lot of you could do anything you want to like you could do classic stuff you could do like someone could do like a Gideon trial and you know about the development of you know the Miranda rights mm-hmm. um which would be interesting um you could do like celebrity trials like the OJ trial if you wanted to as you go through <laughs> if but, the glove don't fit you yeah. must acquit. but i mean that's i mean that's the kind of system that this can that this can lend itself to and they can make it so that each game has kind of its own unique tweaks to that base system that's kind of been put in place um, but it's really interesting. Like I said, if you guys, um, if you like card-driven games, um, I would check it out. If you're kind of a uh, courtroom, oh my god, nerd they should like do a I People am, versus Larry Flint. That'd uh, be pretty funny, actually, if they did. <laughs> that'd be great. Um, if, if if you're like a Law and Order junkie like I am, this might be a fun game too to kind of. When he when he pulled this out, I was trying to find something on my phone so I could just hit the button and it goes dun dun. <laughs> So, but yeah, that's a, it's the trial of Louis Riel. Um, you can get it directly from Victory Point Games website. I highly encourage you to, if that sounded interesting, because uh, it's a game that we really enjoyed our and first And because play. they have really awesome games. Yes. And you should peruse the rest of their catalog. Um, one game that we just busted out yesterday, as a matter of fact, that we've had for a while, but I don't think we've ever talked about on the show, um, is Russian Railroads from Z-Man Games. The, the most point salad of point salad games that ever existed the Ever. one that has me a little salty. Yeah, this this is one. You. I know we've talked about this part of it on the show where we once had this game. I told M that I would I would run every trade offer by her before I traded the game away. I ended up not doing that. Then he calls me at work and says, "Oh, by the way, I just traded Russian railroads for." I'm and like, felt and felt so bad that I ended up reacquiring the game for something down the road. No, you bought it for like eighteen bucks or that. I also I said reacquire. I didn't say. How I required. I just I honestly didn't remember. Um I don't know why I got rid of it though. It's because we weren't playing it, but I'm not sure why, because Russian Railroads is You got rid of it because I liked it way more than you did. That's just what it comes down to. Well it's it's a very unique worker placement game. Um whereas the worker placement isn't the unique part of it, but what you're doing in the game is incredibly unique um, because you have the way the game works is you each have an individual player board that has these three different railroad tracks that you're building up on it. Um, and it also has an industrial track where you're building factories at the bottom as well. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to just build these tracks up in different ways, but you can't do everything. Like you have to kind of pick where your specialty is going to be and really focus in on that. So like, the main track is the Trans-Siberian track, and that one is you're just, it's usually a good way to get victory points. Like, that's the biggest thing that that track does. Well, that's also where you get the rest of your rails from, too. Yeah. 
And the second track, um, I think it's Kiev, and that gets you a lot of. Uh, and then it's Vladivostok. Yeah, you get you like the Kiev track gets you a lot of like, of like the like the little bonus tiles that they have in the game, and then the Vladivostok track is this very unique track that has every round bonus scoring on it. Basically, like you don't get very much from it, but that bonus scoring. Um, but it's interesting there. The factory I got the ultimate bonus scoring from that biatch yeah. last night. Yeah, the factory track is its own animal because you have these. Um, the factories are basically one shot actions that, as you pass your marker, the factories by them, are the only other side of the trains that you need to use each round too. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. Yeah, these, there's these train tiles that you have. You you take. You know, you build up your locomotives, and that determines how far down. It's it's a hard game to describe without looking at it. That determines. The length that you're scoring can go. The length of go. the train line that yeah. you can score. Essentially on the track. Jesus, Brad. Well, and <laughs> there's also and every round at the end of the round, you're going to score victory points, and those victory points are very small. Like the first round, you're only going to score like five or seven points, but in the last round, you'll probably end up scoring like. Oh my god! I like a hundred or so yeah, points I in think that I round scored alone. Like a hundred points that last round. Yeah, it's this kind of thing that builds up. Um, it's it's a hard game to talk about on a podcast because it's really one of those things that you have it's, to. It's very look visual. At. Yes. Yeah, it's a very visual game. It's a very hard thing to explain without without a visual medium. Um, but just know that if you like if you like traditional worker placement, but would you know like a different twist on it. Um, if you like point salad style Euro games where everything you do is pretty rewarding, you know, like you're making progress with every action that you take. Um, that's kind of what this is. Mm-hmm. Sort of an optimization game of sorts as well, because you are, you generally get the same amount of turns each game. There's some variance there because you can pick up extra workers here and there. Um, they also have a, a currency in the game that you can substitute for workers. So that's a good way to get extra actions as well. Um, but yeah, Russian Railroads is a pretty cool um, um, Euro game that's definitely worth checking out if you if you like worker placement and just want to see a different twist on it. And this one's like an hour or so, a little more. Give or take, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once you know what you're doing, you can probably dock a two-player game out an hour. And this is one that also, for two players, has a specific board as well that blocks yes. off some of the action spaces, which I also appreciate mm-hmm. very much. So yeah, Russian Railroads. Um, check it out. It's, been, it's one that's been around for a while. There's also a few expansions for it at the end of getting it and liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, next on the list is Tiny Epic Western. I think this has become our favorite in the series. Yeah. Oh, God. Don't I'm tell kinda, me you don't like it. I'm kind of just out on the Tiny Epic games, <sighs> I think, at this point. Mother pus bucket. I'm just saying. Can I just say? I mean, this is definitely the most unique one. Son of a nutcracker. Of any of the ones that have. Uh, I'm trying to not cost, but cost at the same time. I appreciate I mean? that. Um, yeah, the, the this is a. Uh, how would you describe this? Like a. It's got some worker placement, um, but you're basically you, you're placing your workers at these different locations that are on the board, and you're trying to do it either to gain an immediate benefit. Um, or to gain a better benefit that you have to kind of compete for. Like, you, like your worker has to be the only one standing at the end of the round. Um, and then at the end of the round, um, to get these benefits and also to get a bonus from the building itself that you placed your worker in, you have to play three card poker, essentially. So there's cards dealt to every, in between every board, essentially. So as you evaluate like the saloon, you look at the card to the left. And the card to the right of the saloon, and each player also has a card dealt to their hand, and whoever has the best three-card poker hand 
wins that building essentially. And there's a bonus for winning the buildings. Um, also winning the buildings allows you to purchase, um, these individual buildings, uh, these individual locations that you can add to your player board. Mm-hmm. It's your primary method of getting victory points. Um, there's also a nice little commodities, uh, collection as a set collection aspect of the game because each round, um, there's what is it? Wagon wheels and, and what were the other two commodities? There's orange, there's orange, green, and purple. <laughs> that, that uh, I thought it was like coal and something of that nature. Something I don't remember. <laughs> but you're collecting these icons, and at the end of the game, um, having the most of each icon is going to be worth a varying number of victory points. But the players get to determine how that market shakes out, right? Because you have to move one of the market pieces each round, essentially. And there's always going to be one that's worth. Like three points, one that's worth two, and one that's worth one mm-hmm. at the end of the game. Um, but yeah, I just, you know what it is? Like, I just, the, these are games that take like 45 minutes to play. And I just don't feel like I get you enough feel, you feel gameplay. With something that says tiny, it should be shorter. It's not even that. Like, like tiny is just demonstrates the fact that the game fits inside this small box. And that part of it is cool. I just don't feel, you feel like, like satiated. Do you feel you're too limited? It's not even that. It just, it just, it just like I feel like there's other games that we have that are similar that play well, that have like one, a 45 minute play time that are much more satisfying. More like Walnut Grove. You think so? Yeah, because you have like the different buildings that you go to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that's why it reminded me of that because you have the different buildings you go to to get these specific things. And... So you know what it reminded me more of, honestly, what? Um, like a pared down version of Carson City, which I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of what they were. What they were going for, um, of course, being a w- Wild West themed game, there is a dueling aspect as well. You mm-hmm. can kind of invade a place that your opponents already stepped on, and you have a duel um, where you roll these cool little bullet dice that the game includes. Um, there's ways to modify your dice I roll those as were well. A Kickstarter thing. No, the, uh, you get two of them in there, no matter what. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, I, for whatever reason, like like I remember even too, like I really like Tiny Epic Galaxies when we first got it, and now I've kind of soured on that as well um kingdoms never really clicked with you Mm-mm. defenders was something that we've never really played a whole lot of i guess i don't know what it well, is well for all our listeners out there sounds like we're having a fire sale on tiny epic games i don't it's like i said it just <laughs> I, I just felt kind of meh when i was done tiny epic western but you seem to have liked it i liked it, it well, what did fun. you like about it <sighs> probably because it's like some of our bigger box games mm-hmm. But there wasn't as much going. Like, I felt like I could really concentrate on actually doing what I wanted to do as opposed to trying to, you know, mm-hmm. I have to be efficient in one or two areas instead of, you know what I mean? I feel like I could do everything yeah. in this one. It might it might have been first playthrough jitters for me because this one, it was, it was kind of clumsy as we were going through it, that those You're first couple rounds. clumsy. Yeah, well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I just, I, w- this, I wasn't feeling this one as much as you were, well, I don't think. Add it to the trade shelf, then. No, we'll, I mean, I'll give it another chance. I'm not, I'm not opposed to trying it again. It just, for whatever reason, we it just, just didn't click with me. We just put a whole bunch of stuff on the trade shelf. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Tiny Epic Western. Um, Emily obviously liked it. I'm so-so. So, you'll have to check it out, see if that's something that, uh, that is interesting to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one of our, of our new impressions, uh, this is actually an older game. Uh, this is the, Lord of the Rings Fantasy Flight game, um, the cooperative game. It's just called The Lord of the Rings uh, from Reiner Knizia. You can definitely tell it's older because the card art is very much dated. Well, it's, I mean, if you've ever played any of the old Fantasy Flight games, you would know yeah. it right away. Um, 
But yeah, this is the cooperative adventure from Reiner Knizia, where you are the Fellowship, traveling through all three Lord of the Rings books um, on your way up to Mordor to destroy the ring. And you do that through a series of of card plays, basically. So each turn, um, you're going to keep drawing these event tiles, which are usually terrible things that oh, can happen Lord. to you as you go through the game. Um, it got real bad for us real quick. Yes, it did. And once, and then once the event tiles stop coming, um, you have a hand of cards, and you can play one or two cards to try and advance your fellowship along these different pathways that are on the board. And the different pathways will get you, as you move along the spaces, you'll get different benefits. Sometimes they'll give you um, these tokens that you need, and at the end of each of the locations, once it's complete, um, each player has to have one of each type of token. Um, you also get these shields, and the shields can be spent um, to get these exclusive Gandalf cards, which are these very powerful one-shot abilities that you have. Um, all the while, Sauron is going to be... Your, your your hobbits are on a track at the top of the board on the light end. They start the game, and Sauron is on the extreme dark end to start the game. And as the game goes along, uh, Sauron will be moving towards you, towards your hobbits. And, and your hobbits will be moving, will be moving towards, towards Sauron. Yeah, because as you do different stuff, your hobbits will have to take these darkness points. And if Sauron ever catches any of your hobbits, then they die. And you get removed from the and game. you're screwed. Yeah, and if all the hobbits go away, uh, then Sauron wins and you lose. Um, you have to go through several different locations. I think there's four different locations in total that you have to fight through. Um, and that's pretty much the game. Like, the gameplay is actually quite simple when you boil it down, but it it was an interesting game, and I can see why it holds up um, mm-hmm. As well as it has over the years. I didn't hate it. No, it's it definitely shows its age. Like that's that's for certain. Um, it took us about what forty, f- about an hour, I guess, to play this one. We we made it to Mordor. Um, we didn't get very far. Yeah. Once we got to Mordor, um, we died pretty bad. But yeah, this is um, it shows its age a little bit. It's definitely not quite as refined as a lot of games would be um, that come out now. But the the core gameplay itself is still pretty fun. Um, this is also a game that I think would be a good game to introduce to someone that's new that you might want to play cooperative games with because the rules are pretty simple. It's just the actual gameplay that's that can be a little tricky. And you really do have to work with one another um, in the game because the, if you can't cooperate, if you can't work together... Um, it's going to be tough, to, tough to get through the game because you really do have tough to, to get through the game. Period. Yeah, you really do have to balance it out because, th- especially when it comes to collecting those um, different life tokens, they're called. Um, because, like I said, at the end of each location, once you complete each location, each hobbit has to have one of each, and that's usually not going to happen. So you have to do what you can to mitigate that loss because each one that you miss moves you that much closer to Sauron, and Sauron is always coming at you. Throughout the game, he's a bastard. He can be. He can be. Um, but this was good. Like I said, I wasn't sure what to expect from this. Get out my Gandalf staff on him. Yeah, I mean, I know there's some other uh, some other times we've played older games that just you know, haven't <laughs> felt as good just because they don't you know. Not Either as that, timeless. or we start playing them and we're just like, what the hell is this? Yeah, but but Lord of the Rings um, worked out pretty well. I thought it uh, it's is a fun cooperative game. Um, I can see us playing it again. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if they reprinted this actually, though, and and, and made it a little bit more updated, a little. streamlined it a little bit. 
you know, modernize the components a little bit. That that might be nice. Um, but yeah, the Lord of the Rings uh, cooperative game, Fantasy Flight. Give it a look. Um, a pretty decent co-op game, and not really, not really like anything else that we have. I don't think. No. That I can think of in our collection. So uh, that's it for new impressions. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, uh, we will have our review of Eldritch Horror. So stay tuned. Welcome to our two-player review of Eldritch Horror. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this is from Fantasy Flight Games, um, released a couple of years ago. I feel like we should have creepy music in the background. Uh, well, we, we had creepy music to lead into this, so... Oh, okay. I don't know what from yet. I have, I have, I'll decide that after we're done recording. Maybe Resident Evil music. <laughs> it's not really cthulhu theme, though, is it? Yes, but it's creepy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is one... Uh, this is kind of the first one, the first game that we ever got that is what I would consider this like story-driven, um, like adventuring-style game of which you know we've seen you know other games in that genre emerge like Tales of the Arabian Nights and Agents of Smirsh, and we've recently got like Above and Below, I like and things Below. of that nature. Um, but yeah, Elder Tower was kind of the first one that we dove into. Uh, this is also the first of those uh, Cthulhu Mythos games that we had ever gotten, these HP Lovecraft-themed games. Um, and we've kind of fallen like headlong into that. That's a, that's a theme that has kind of persisted for us uh, throughout. And uh, and we'll talk about this because Elder Tower is a very interesting uh, game and very interesting with two players as well. Um, so let's just start with the gameplay. So again, this is a adventuring game where you each each player is going to be controlling an investigator, and those investigators have special skills, special abilities that uh, that will help them in some way, shape, or form. On uh, Elder's Heart is a globe trotting adventure. The game board consists of a map of the world with several uh, major cities and areas highlighted uh, as different action spaces on the board. And in each game, you're going to be facing up against one of the great old ones of the Lovecraft uh, universe, basically. And each of those old ones are going to have their own... Um, and every single one of them is a son of a nutcracker. Yeah. Each each of those is going to have their own little quirks, their own challenges, their own difficulties. Um, and each old one also has a number of mysteries that you have to solve. In order to win the game, uh, you have to solve three mysteries from each great old one. And if you can do that, then the game is won. However... If uh, the doom track yeah, is zero a, and they awaken, then you're screwed. Yeah, there's, there's a doom track in the game. Um, and Depending on throughout which, the game, yeah. which old one you get, it tells you where it starts. Yeah, and each, each old one is going to have a varying doom level. And the doom track will head ever steadily towards zero as the game goes along. It'll happen uh, turn by turn. Also, different game effects will cause it to go down faster. And if the Doom Track ever hits zero, then the Great Old One awakens. And sometimes that means you lose the game instantly with some Great Old Ones. Yeah, with the Azathoth, yeah. Eater of Worlds, Bray uh, Wyatt, the Old One. Uh, but some, some Old Ones uh, just wake up and then... 
not only make things really hard for you, the investigators, but that's also an extra mystery that you have to com- that you have to complete is by defeating that great old mm-hmm. one. Um, typically, when that happens, you're not going to win in most in most cases. Um, so that's something you want to try and avoid at all costs. But this is one of those ones where I don't mind losing because mm-hmm. I still have so much fun when I play. Well, and that's and we'll get to that part in a second. Um, the way the game kind of unfolds is that on each investigator's turn, you're going to pre- be performing two actions. Of piece and the actions might be um you know traveling to a different location buying items investigating th- that location yeah find, you know searching for clues things of that nature fighting a bad guy well that's going to happen after you take your actions so if you have any so after each player's taken their actions um you're going to have an encounter at the space at which you reside and uh if there's monsters there, you have to fight those monsters first. Um, and you do that with varying degrees of success. Hopefully you'll kill them. Sometimes they'll just damage you. Um, but if you find yourself on a space without monsters, whether it's through fighting them, you've eliminated all the monsters, or you just happen to go to an area where there are no monsters, then you get to have an encounter of some kind. It depends on what kind of space you're on. Yeah, the encounters, um, they're generic encounters that correspond to the different uh, like, like city, sea, space, and, sea space. Yeah, things of that nature. Um, but there's also specific encounters tied to certain locations. So, like, if you're in San Francisco, um, you can have a San Francisco encounter, and that is usually going to get you a perk of some kind if you're successful. Or if there's an open gate on there, mm. you can have a gate encounter. Yes. Well, that, that's what you're trying to do is that these different gates to other dimensions will open on the board. That's usually where the monsters come streaming out of. And you're going to mouth like in Buffy. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to try to the goal is to try and get those gates closed because typically leaving them open is not going to be good mm-hmm. news for the investigators as the game goes along. So you're trying to to get those shut off as well um, while you're also trying to complete the whatever the current mystery is that's going on. Well, also, each of these gates has a symbol associated with it, and there's a track, and if that particular symbol is, you know, Mm. on that turn, then that's doubly bad for us. Yeah, it usually leads to bad stuff (laughs) as you go along. And then once each investigator's taken, had their encounter for the turn, um, then you have the mythos phase, and this is also where things tend to go from bad to worse, because there is a deck that you construct before the game called the mythos deck, and these are little twists and turns that'll happen during your story. Um, some mythos cards can actually be a benefit. Um, some can be pretty bad, and then some can be really bad, including making these completely unrelated mysteries pop up that you have to investigate within a certain amount of time, or you'll lose the game when that happens as well. Um, and you're going to be going through round by round um, until either the investigators win, um, until the old one has killed everybody um, and caused doom to happen and end of the world, or if you happen to get through the Mythos deck, um, but, or you can draw a Mythos card, then you lose that way as well. If you, <laughs> if you, have, a time, yeah, if you have a timed loss. <laughs> Um, and you know, one of the, the, the flares about this is you have the different investigators and as you go through the game, um, if you th- die, you of, get a new one, <laughs> you do get a new one, but things are going to happen to your investigators. Um, normally in the way of acquiring different conditions and things of that sort that, uh, that hamper your investigators along the way. And don't ever listen to this guy. If you're playing, yeah. Because they'll tell you to take a dark pact when you shouldn't take a dark pact. And well, what's interesting about it is so when your investigator gets a condition happens them. So let's say they become paranoid. Paranoia might not affect every each investigator the same way because there's like five different paranoia cards. But if you ever have to 
flip that card over and suffer the ill effects of it, it's going to be slightly different depending on which card you get. Um, they And this also can happen with items that you use as well. For example, some of your investigators can learn rituals and incantations that mm-hmm. you can use that are very powerful, but also might cause some problems so, for you as well if, if you're not careful. if you screw it up, you're in big trouble. Yeah, or if you really need this specific item that you find in a shop, sure, you can borrow money from the mafia to get it, but then they might call in that debt at a really inopportune time and hamper you in some way, shape or form. Um, it's just a really fun. Or like, in like I said, in my case, you have to take a dark pact. Mm. Oh honey, it'll be fine. Yeah. That did not end well. Yeah. That dark pact, I think ensured an instant success in something we really needed. So yes, but then I immediately died because the cloven hooves came up behind me and ate me. Yeah. But basically Eldritch Horror is the game of surviving really terrible things that will happen to you um, throughout the course of the game. And one of the things that's interesting about it is that it's never going to be the same game twice. Not oh, even close. No. Nope. Not even close. I, I think maybe in all the times even we've played if you, this. Even if you play with the same old one, it's never the yeah, same experience. I, I think in all the times we've played this, um, we've only had one game where we kind of ran roughshod through the entire game. Mm-hmm. That happened once, I think. Um, and everything else is usually... You know, ramps up and and settles down and that sort of thing as you go along. So that's the gameplay in a nutshell. Really, the gameplay is easy to talk about because while there are a lot of rules and stuff like that, it's a pretty simple game to describe. Um, there's also there's also like expeditions you can go on to find rare relics and things of that sort. Um, you know, fight all sorts of different creatures that might pop up as time goes along. It's just like I said, it's a really fun game um, where there's a lot of stuff going on of that sort of thing. So. Before we get into our personal opinions on the game, um, let's talk about how this game is different for two players. And the way that that happens is the game actually scales the the flow of monsters and the flow of stuff that comes at you based on the number of players that you're playing. Now, this game plays one to eight. Um, if you play eight players, I would imagine that you guys are probably going to be sitting around the table for upwards of six hours an entire freaking day yeah because that's that would take a really long time oh yeah um two players is a great count for this game and they scale it well because like usually with the mysteries that you have to complete um they are specifically scaled to and it's like you need a number of players you need yeah. one more token than the number of players or yeah, something to complete like that this or right, things of that right, right. sort so so they do take that into consideration they do take that into account as you go um here's one weird quirk about this game though um so the so like when you complete a mystery, like M said, a lot of times it'd be like, oh, you have to have a number of clues on this mystery equal to, you know, half the number of players rounded up, basically. So it's got this weird thing where if you play with an odd number of players, the game is actually slightly harder because like like if you're playing like a three player game, you have to do all the work that you would have to do in a four player game, but you're doing it with one less investigator on the board so two players happens to be an amazing count because it's an even number so so everything is is balanced well uh in terms of being the two-player play 
Um, this one also, I think we mentioned it uh, on our last episode. We talked about scaling difficulty has um, you can kind of tweak the Mythos deck to make it easier or harder for you mm-hmm. as you go through the game. Um, so it does that as well. But yeah, two player differences. It really is just the way the game scales in terms then, of what you need to do. Also, just so you guys know, getting into this. It takes up a lot of real estate on your table. Oh yeah, you better have a big table because we have we have a pretty decently sized table and it is filled to the brim um, yes. with with just the base game by itself. Not to mention any expansion content that you might pick up for the game as you go along. So let's um, let's get into likes first. Yeah, if we get the expansion, we're gonna have to put the leaf in the table. Yeah. So let's <laughs> let's get to likes first. Um, what are some things that you and really enjoy about the game? <laughs> I have, uh, you know what I love? I love how it kicks you when you're down. Because mm-hmm. you know it's going to happen. They're going to kick you when you're down because that's just the kind of game it is. But I love how it kicks you when you're down because it, like, for me, like that one where I said, I just died. I just got in a brand new investigator and then my new investigator died like that. And I'm just like, are you serious right now? And it, it just made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Like, I, <laughs> I kind of love how it does it. It's just. Uh, and it's so unpredictable because you could lose your investigator, or it could you could could get a boon of some sort. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's very that, unpredictable. Well, and that's that's see that's why I like about it the most too is is the unpredictability. The fact that you never even even if you play the game like ten or fifteen times, you don't really know what's around the next corner that you're going to turn because there's so many cards, there's so many different variances of things that can happen. Plus, if you really need more stuff to do, there's like five expansions out for the game right now or something silly and there's only gonna be more stuff coming i know we have a couple yeah we have we have the first two um there's a lot more besides that though so there's a lot of ways to even if the game gets stale there's a lot of ways to add variety to it um there's also a ton of investigators and the different investigators lend themselves differently because they each have special abilities that you can use to your advantage start with and yeah yeah so yeah i i I, you have to kind of weigh each one because everybody has different uh Numbers for their different abilities. different different traits, basically different right. different different strengths and weaknesses. I tend to go for the people that have the higher sanity. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, it's unpredictable. Um, I also love the the value that you get in the box. So so in just the base game, which is what we're talking about, we're not really talking about any expansions. Um, the base game comes with four old ones. Um, it comes with like twelve different investigators. You have you know a full set of different items that might pop up during the game. Unique items that might pop up, a ton of different conditions, ton of different spells, um, lots of different location cards. That that might be the only thing that's somewhat lacking in the base game is the the variance of the different location cards um, is a little scarce. So like with the base game, if you've played the game, you know, like five or six times, you'll probably have seen all of the location cards that mm-hmm. the game has to offer, which doesn't hurt the game per se. I mean, you might be repeating some events that you've seen before and kind of might know what's going to happen. Um, but that doesn't really hurt things at all. Um, cause you still need to pass the tests that come along with them as you go along. Right. But yeah, it's, it's, the game is a lot of value. Um, I also love how like immer- the game's very thematic. Um, it is a very, it is a game very steeped in its theme. Um, very easy to, it, it's very evocative. Like the game paints a, a vivid picture of the world. As you go I have definitely put on creepy music while we were playing. Well, that's the only way to, <laughs> to do it. To kind of really yeah. get us into it. That's the only way to do it is to is to really like, throw and yourself it's, in. It's gotten me to the point sometimes where like I'm coming upstairs and it's dark up at the top of the steps because I didn't turn the light on and I'm like creeped out a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and, th- and this one too. So we, t- you know, early in the episode, we talked about Arkham Horror. Some of the art on the cards is very unsettling. Well, this one, it, there's not really a lot of art in the game. It's the, it's the prose and it's the, you know, the, oh my God. The, the words that you have to read and, and go through as you go. Oh, yes. Some of them, oh, some of them are so very descriptive that. Mm. I didn't need to know that much. Yeah, but it, but like I said, it's it's true to its uh to its inspirations. Like it's very Lovecraft themed. Um, you know, pulls a lot of stuff from there, and and really also it's it's just it's it's a good time. Like I said, it's it's a fun game to get lost in story wise. Um, but now we can shift into dislikes a little bit. Um, and this is one of those ones where being a story driven game, being the fact that it's unpredictable, and being that. It's heavily reliant on dice rolling. Um, yeah, you can spin off the rails and have no way to catch yourself in a game like this. Yeah, that and you know that's always my biggest thing is I hate anything that's like super luck driven. Right, and this certainly is. I mean, it it really is because whenever you do skill check, you're rolling a number of dice and you have to roll successes when you roll those dice. And if you just roll poorly you're going to have a bad time. Like mm-hmm. you're going to get kicked in the teeth and you're not going to be able to recover. Um, and that's a little unfortunate because the one thing that this game does have that is not helpful in that regard is there's not really a lot of ways to mitigate poor luck. Like if you roll poorly, there's some things you can do to help yourself, but by and large, if you roll poorly, you're not going to be successful. And that's just the bottom line. Like yeah. if you just have a string of bad luck, then it's going to be a really painful hour and a half going through it yeah as you go i mean there's the one game that we had where i think we we went through like seven different investigators yeah total before before actually, the game actually up, ended yeah that popped up on my time hop not too long ago yeah and i mean that i, and think that I was, was on a, like my fourth investigator in 30 minutes <laughs> and that was just the game where when we had crucial roles or we were going up against a, a bad monster we just couldn't get the die rolls to save our life and and that was it <laughs> that was all she wrote um that well there you go there's one thing that i don't like is that the monsters it gets very repetitive with the monsters mm -hmm. like i don't feel like there's a lot of variance between them well there is but it's just that like certain monsters appear more like there are a lot of different monsters in the game but you're going to see more cultists and you're going to see more ghouls and you're going to see like star spawns yeah, more I, than anything I wish, else. I wish there was a little more variety in mm. the number of monsters maybe. Yeah and and I think um like there are also boss monsters in the game but well, those there only are, appear but they at certain times. Ever pop yeah. out. I think we've had one pop out in yeah, all the games you, we that played. We actually had to fight. And yeah, I need I need more variety in my monsters. Well, see, it's funny you say that because like I find that some of the monsters are like ultra powerful, and when you do run up against a monster that's really tough to beat, um, the fighting system in the game doesn't lend itself well. And not that I think that your investigators should be you know uber powerful against these they ancient have monsters. A little more firepower than they do, though. Yeah, I mean, but it's 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 tough when you happen to like you know one of the mysteries you have to solve is beat this epic monster that pops out, and it's just you don't and you just don't have the investigators to go up against them, and it just mows you down constantly. Like that, like that part's not very cool, um, and makes it very difficult to to kind of go through. And when you get to certain parts of the game, so yeah, the combat is definitely not the strongest suit of the game, and it's not supposed to be. I mean, really, the game is about minimizing the amount of combats that you have to get into. And there's some characters that are very good at combat. Um, but for the most part, that is, 
one of the weaker aspects of the game. And see, therein lies the one issue I have with two players for this game is that it is hard to get like a balanced team of investigators with two players because there is only two investigators and you can't really, you know, assemble a team. It's not like a pandemic where you can get a good mix with just two. Right. Yeah. There's you're all like with two players, you're always going to be lacking in something like there's going to be something that your group is going to be really bad at. And God help you if you ever well, run into what, a situation you have the, where you, you need have it. Four, is it four different traits? It's five actually in, in Eldritch. Yeah. yeah. It's five in Eldritch are. I thought it was four. Uh, in any case, yes, one, you're going to be really crappy at something. Hmm. And chances are your partner is probably not going to be the best in it either. You guys are going to have at least one thing that's just not mm-hmm. not good. Yeah, and again, that that's where you say like if you you know if you have a lot of gates and you don't have someone who's good at lore, then guess what? You're going to have monsters coming in left and right. Or if you need to beat a big monster and you don't have anyone that's good at combat, then that's going to be a rough go for you as well. And obviously, you can switch investigators once one of them dies, and you can bring in someone who helps you do what you need at that moment. But at the same time, like whenever someone dies, that usually means the game is spiraling out of control. At that point, which is what you try and want to avoid. Which means Doom is advancing and you're probably going to lose anyway. Yep. So um, so with two players, we found that once you kind of know what you're doing, uh, most games of this take between an hour and a half to two hours generally, yeah. um, which is about par for the course for this one. Um, how heavy is this game? It's, it's, it's rules heavy, but it's not complex. I think it depends on the cards that you set yourself up with also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the old ones definitely, vi- like increase in not difficulty but complexity mm-hmm. more so um as you go through so like when you're first starting out like you know as a thought is pretty straightforward he's really easy to, to manage he's a jerk yeah he is kind of a jerk though um but like i said there's a lot of rules um it is a very rules heavy game there are a lot of instances that you need to know what's going on but that being said the rules are not complex like it's i, I i've taught this to non-gamers and they've picked it up pretty easily. I've taught this to experienced gamers. They've picked it up really quickly. Um, and it's not a difficult game to learn. And everybody loved it, even if they died. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and so we'll get into that. So who who would you recommend this game to? And I think it's pretty clear from listening to the review who this game is going to be best for. Uh, it's going to be best for more experienced gamers, I think. Well, no, 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 not even that. I'm, I'm just saying it's going to be best for people who don't mind... Luck, oh. A lot of luck driven games. Well, yeah, that too. That, I don't. I don't think you need a ton of experience to be fine playing Elder Scrolls. I, mean, I mean, it wouldn't be the first game a, that you I buy. I think you need a li- at least a little bit. I, I'm not saying it would be. It should be the first game that you purchase, but it's it's an easy enough game to learn. But you have to be willing to to accept the luck that comes along with the game because right. it's the, that it is a game where it's going to be very. So if you're luck one heavy. who gets really cheesed very easily when your things aren't going your way, this is not for you. Yeah. If you, if you, if you like building up strategy and you like having a plan and executing that plan, don't play this game. Yeah. Cause it, it, it gets undone more often than you probably would like it to. Um, but that said, like if you like really rich narrative experiences, if you like a lot of immersion, in your games, this is a terrific game because it's like I said, it's incredibly thematic. Um, it's a lot of fun to play, and, and like I'm said, even when you're getting ticked in the teeth, it's still usually fun because then you're just laughing at all the horrendous things that's happening. It's like, oh, can it get any worse? Oh, wait, it just did. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so it's so like I said, if you, if you know that going in, and that sounds like a so like I a get, hoot to you. That's when I get my inner Chandler bang on. Could this be any worse? Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, should you buy this if you play primarily with two players? Um, sure. I, I think it works well enough with two. Like I said, even number player counts seem to be the best way to go. So two and four, I think, are the best player counts for this game. Um, I think once you're above four players, you are looking at too long of a game mm-hmm. to make this viable. Um, but yeah, because even our four-player games have been what, like maybe two and a half, two and a half to three. Yeah, give yeah. or take. Not too, not too terrible. Um, but yeah, if you if you just have two players, if it's just you and somebody else that are going to be playing primarily, uh, yeah, absolutely get it. It's been a mainstay in our collection since mm-hmm. we bought it, and it's not going anywhere for sure. Um, so yeah, I've actually been looking for upgrade pieces for certain things. Yeah. See, so yeah, it's it's a great game to play with two, um, and two is even a great a great uh, play count just because once you know what you're doing, like you can really get through this game in 90 minutes, assuming you know it's not catastrophically bad as far as your investigators go. Assuming and it's not going so bad, you need to stop and get a drink in the middle of it. I mean, that being said, we've also played games of this in the shortest 45 minutes. Um, those were ones that we lost. Horribly. horrendously oh my god <laughs> but yeah but it's uh, I think that was the nine investigator night yeah but this is a but like I said very fun game um we like it a lot obviously um it, and it kind of opened the door for us uh to all of these lovecraft theme games and most of them have been tremendous successes for us so far some of them have been eh. just, well, just, just because, sign. just because do you not remember kingsport festival uh, I don't count that as I'm talking about stuff that FFG puts out. I'm not talking about other. other okay, well, what, you can't just publishers. say that you can't just say the theme and not include things of that theme. You're probably right. That's probably fair. So, but yeah, Eldritch Horror, big thumbs up from us. Um, it's it's a really fun. It, it's, our, it's our game. it's our it's our it, honestly of all those of all like the story games that we've played, it's definitely our favorite one. Yep, I would say. So yeah, that is it uh, as far as our show. So uh, just a reminder again: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Tabletop for Two. Um, also, we are an affiliate of the TNP Studios network of shows. Um, I'm not sure how much crossover there is with our listenership. I know I imagine we probably have a lot of listeners that aren't too familiar with the TNP Studios network, which we don't talk about too much. Um, but make sure you do check that out at some point. Um, I know that the next, as you're hearing this, there'll be a YouTube video. Um, if you go to the Nerd Pod. YouTube channel uh, that we are doing a new series online called TNP Presents, where we go to uh, the, this first one was at Rhode Island Comic Con, um, where Jack, uh, one of the members of the network, went out and did a big interview with Jason David Frank and Amy Jo Johnson. Yes, and Amy Jo Johnson um, of the Power Rangers to talk about stuff that they're doing right now. And like I said, it's a new video series that we're starting. Um, we'll see. We have some other plans for it as well as we go along. So definitely uh, stay tuned for some of that stuff. And um, listen to some of the other shows because they're great. Yeah, Nerpocalypse, uh, Dense Pixels, Which Black my and Black Cinema. <laughs> yes. Um, and also consider checking out the premium membership as well there. Uh, you can find that at the Nerpocalypse apocalypse.com slash premium um, it's five bucks a month or during the month of december if you sign up for a full year uh, instead of fifty dollars a month which is the normal price it is down to forty fifty dollars a year thank you um, <laughs> it's down to forty five dollars for the month of december oh, so very cool definitely check that out as well um and that is it so thank you guys for listening uh, we will see you in a couple weeks next episode is our 2016 enthusiastic seals of approval so look forward to our year-end show our year in review yeah and uh and we will have that for you next week so take it next easy. week Next episode, two weeks. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) Bye.